We start a new series today called What If? What If? And it's all really about how we can be victorious. What is the one element? And this series is about one element that if we really practice it, that we can live joyful lives no matter what's surrounding us, no matter what storms blow, we can be full of joy and hope and faith. Talk to you about another departure for a minute. How many of you heard of George Mueller? Raise your hand. George Mueller was a, a, an evangelist in the 1800s who really believed God for great things. And in addition to being an evangelist, George Mueller was uh, the director of an orphanage. You know, uh, we uh, support Ebenezer's uh, Christian uh, children's home here in town. So we're all about helping the orphans. The Bible talks about real religion is helping the fatherless and the orphans. And so we're partnering with them and we're excited about that. But George Mueller in the 1800s, he was a man that believed God. And you know how some missionaries and some pastors and some leaders, they can kind of hint about the need and then just see it met that way. But George Mueller was a guy who was convinced that he never would ask anybody for anything. And back as early as the 1800s, through his ministry of, uh, to orphans, without ever speaking to a soul about it but God, over one million pounds came into that ministry to help orphans. Well, George Mueller, in one of his ventures, was on his way from uh, England, uh, going on a westward course to uh, Quebec, Canada. He was heading to Canada, and he was on board a ship, and... Uh, he said to the captain, sort of midway through, he said, Captain, I've got to be in Quebec for meetings on Saturday, and uh, I've just got to be there on time, so make sure that you get me there on time. The captain said, it's impossible. He said, we're completely surrounded by fog. It's absolutely impossible. And George Mueller said, well, if it's impossible, then God will provide another way other than your ship. <laughs> well, they're in the middle of the ocean. And he said, I believe that God's going to get me there. I've been doing this for 57 years. I've never missed a meeting yet. And I'm going to pray that God will do something big. Well, the captain said, Mr. Mueller, do you have your eye on the fog that's surrounding us, the thick fog that's all around us? We were just talking about surrounded. It looks like we're surrounded. He was completely surrounded by fog. And he, the captain said, are you aware of the fog? the immense fog that's surrounding us. And George Mueller said this, and I quote, he said, no, my eyes are not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance. What if? He was a man of faith. He believed God. And so he said, Captain, we're going to go down and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that this fog lifts and we're going to get there on time. And the captain's like, who is this? Who's this crazy guy? I've never heard such claims as this. And so they went down and he heard George Mueller pray just a simple prayer. And by the way, the best prayers uttered are simple prayers from your heart. And George Mueller just offered a simple prayer about God lifting the fog. And then the captain started to pray. And George Mueller put his hand on the captain's shoulder and said, uh, seeing how you don't believe that God will answer, and seeing that, that how that I believe that God has already answered, there's absolutely no need for you to pray. So he said to the captain, he says, you go out and go up on deck and you will find that the fog has lifted. The captain went out and the fog had lifted and Mr. Mueller made his impossible meeting. Though it looked like he was surrounded, 
God was there. And he practiced the presence of God. What if, imagine with me for a little bit, for these next few weeks, what if we truly experience the presence of God in every circumstance that surrounds us and realize that he surrounds us no matter what. That's what this series is about. And I hope that you'll stay with us and be with us for every series. Thank God for Pastor Brian and the last series that he brought. Now, you think you know. Uh, just so thankful for the team that we have here. But now, as we move forward in this series, I'm going to ask you a question now. Would you like the approval of God? Would you like God's approval? How many of you, at the end of your life, when you stand before God, would like to think that you can have God's approval? Would you raise your hand? Well, in this, series, in this series, there is a foolproof way, and it's very, very simple. It's not complex. It doesn't involve theologians or seminarians or pastors or teachers. It just involves simple people like you and me, and it's one thing. If you want the approval of God, it involves one thing. Now, by the time that Jesus was on the, on the earth, Judaism, the Jewish religion, had become corrupted. They took the Old Testament and they made it a legalistic thing that said, falsely, that if you want God's approval, that you have to do all of these works and do all of these things, and then maybe you will gain God's approval. And God hated that. God talked to the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious people of the day because the, the Judaistic belief system in the Old Testament had been corrupted into a system of works that we have to do something to earn God's favor. And God, it was despised by God. So now in the New Testament, Jesus comes along and his followers come along and correct that bad theology that it's all about works. Now, so the one element that you and I all need, every one of us, if we're going to gain the approval of God and if we're going to experience his presence daily, no matter what surrounds us, then we need one thing. It's called faith. Would you write that down? Faith. Faith. Now, I learned a definition years ago. My wife probably knows it. Uh, for, forsaking all, I trust him. Faith. Somebody said it. Yeah. Faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. If we want to truly please God, then it's about faith because faith works. Now, the procedure is this. I believe God, though I'm surrounded, he's surrounding me, and I practice that, and I believe that. We believe God, and then that produces works. We don't produce works so that we can gain the favor of God, but we believe God, and God produces through the faith that he's given us. He produces in us works, and then he rewards us for those works. But the one element, the crucial element, element and the crucial order is faith, which God produces works in our life through that faith, and then he rewards us for that faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. We're going to be there for the next uh, number of weeks. And we're going to be looking at people, ordinary people like me and you, some of them who accomplished stupendous things, things that are unbelievable and mind-boggling things that accomplished through them. But other people were more ordinary like me. And God, in the everyday, mundane things of life, they believe God. But the, the one 
element that they all had in common was that they believed God. That though they were surrounded, many of them, by very difficult things, and many of them died horrendous deaths after suffering terribly, but their faith was still unwavering. They believed God no matter what. So faith works and rewards. Faith is an element. Works and rewards are the fruit or the result of our faith. Any other order doesn't work. If you try to... Please God by work so that he'll create faith in you and give you rewards. If you look to him for rewards so that you can believe him. If you change the order, you're putting the fruit before the root. The order, the only order, the only order that will work is faith, which produces works, which brings reward. Any other element doesn't work. Any missing element, and it's not God's plan. And what is faith? Faith is simply this, the reliance upon The trust in God. Now, this is important. A lot of people today who don't even believe in Jesus talk about faith as if it's faith in faith itself. Faith always has an object, right? Uh, This week, we put a lot of faith in the weathermen, right? And we were obsessing, some of us were watching this swirling hurricane, and we, we were putting, and we know that a lot of times they miss it. They got some things right, they got some things wrong. But we exercise faith every day in different ways. When you go to the doctor, you trust that the medicine, which you know nothing about, that people, other people have researched, you're going to trust them for that. But there's always an object to the faith. You're going to trust the knowledge of the doctor. You're going to trust the financial advice of your financial advisor. There's trust involved in every element of our life, but it's always around an object. And what we're talking about, biblical faith, is a a trust, a reliance upon God. It's, It's reliance upon God. It's trust in God. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in the God who made us. That's the only element that we can bring, that God brings into our life and that we can cultivate that will bring pleasure to God and will bring rewards. In James, we learn that faith without works is dead. In other words, faith works. When you believe God, and all these people we're going to study over the next number of weeks in Hebrews, they believe God, and then there was something that they did as a result of their faith in God. So faith does work. Now, To introduce this subject, we got to say something right up front that you got to understand is so very critical, and it's this. God's plan is now and has always been his grace through faith. God's plan is by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace, God's unmerited favor, his unmerited blessing and all. If we don't deserve it, that's why it's grace. It's by grace through faith always. How were people saved in the Old Testament? By following the Ten Commandments, right? No, absolutely not. The Ten Commandments were there to show them God's standard and how imperfect they were and that they had to have faith in God. So Old Testament, New Testament, past, present, future, always God's plan for being in his will and experiencing his presence has always been by, by grace through faith. Now, the question is, is there anybody that really lives like that? How about any of us? Are there any of us who live 
by God's grace, and we live in faith, believing him every moment of every day, no matter what. Now, we all fall and fail sometimes, but are there people who really lived and dedicated their life to it? The Hebrews 11 is all about that. It's called oftentimes the Hall of Fame of Heroes of Faith. But that can be misleading because you think of Hall of Fame, you think of people like Babe Ruth or people who really achieved great things. But really, it's ordinary people just like you and me who believed in an extraordinary God. So you and I can be like this. We can live like this. So if you have your Bibles and you have them open, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to introduce this passage today. The character we're going to look at is ourself. And in future weeks, we'll look at other characters and what happened in their life as a result of their faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, most people don't put those words together when they think about faith, assurance and conviction. But the Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old, that's the people we're going to study, the people of the Old Testament, the people all throughout history who believe God, by it, the people of old receive their commendation, that is, praise from God. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace... You've been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So God's plan is always by grace through faith, and faith is assurance. Faith is conviction. Now, I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about seven things that can happen in your life if you really believe God. That though you're surrounded by all kinds of bad stuff, you can have joy You can have peace and all the things that come along with that one element called faith. So the first thing is this, hope. My faith, now your your folks' faith does not work for you. It's got to be your faith. My faith provides hope. Verse 1 says this, back in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The Bible says, using the same Greek word as we find here, the assurance in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Jesus is the express image of God. That is, Jesus is the exact likeness of God because he's God. And he's a physical manifestation of God. And so just as Jesus is God, and he's real, he's more real than anything else, the Bible says that faith is essence. Faith is reality. There's nothing more real (coughs) than the God that we can trust, the God that made us. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So in other words, faith treats things hoped for as reality. Faith treats things hoped for, not not based upon just any whim of yours. It's, It's all based upon what God is and what he has revealed to us in his word. We're trusting what he's told us. We're trusting what God has said. And all these people we're going to study trusted what God said. And that gave them hope in the midst of the most dire of circumstances. This morning in our prayer time, we heard of a, someone that was seen in the news 
walking out with one trash bag over their shoulder and walking through chest deep water and the, the interviewer there in the news station tried to interview this person, but the person was just completely in a daze and just walked, kept walking as if she was catatonic, just trying to struggle through this. And we're not here to tell you as a church that this earth is not full of problems. That's not real. We're real. We believe this world is full of tragedies and problems and difficulties, but we believe that though we're surrounded by those things, that there's a God who loves us and cares for us and can give us hope. Do you need hope? Boy, I need hope. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith treats things hoped for as reality. Here's another way to say it. Faith is the God-given present assurance of a future reality. It's present assurance. Like, I know this. And people that are scientifically minded and look for all this empirical evidence, they miss an element called faith, which is even more real than scientific proof. Faith is the present assurance of a future reality. Faith treats the future as present. Faith treats the invisible as seen. Now, I came to faith in Christ at a young age, and it took. It's been real to me, and I haven't been perfect. My, my family can tell you that. I've failed God. But listen, I've never stopped believing God since the day as a little boy at Community Baptist Church in Reedsville, North Carolina, when I realized my need for Jesus Christ, and I cried out to him in faith. And all along through my life, I've been studying the Bible and learning that the Bible says that Jesus died and rose again, as he said he would, and that Jesus promised he'd come back. And I've been living in the hope that he's going to come back, and he's going to reward me for, my, the, for believing him, and he's producing works in my life, and he's going to give me reward one day. But it all comes from the faith, just believing God. I really believe this stuff. I really believe that Jesus is coming again. It could be today. It could be in 100 years from now. I don't know when he's coming, but I do believe he's coming. But if he doesn't come for me in the rapture before I die, I will go to him, the Bible says. Amen? Amen. I have hope. Faith provides hope. There's not a lot of things in life that give you real hope, but everybody needs hope. So my faith provides hope. Number two, my faith pleases God. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. My faith pleases God. Hebrews eleven six. 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Let's read that one more time. The one element that pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe two things. That he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. My faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Listen, this is critical. Faith is not a way to please God. Faith is the only way to please God. What if? What if the several hundred people that come to our church have a couple hundred on a Sunday uh, all together, we got five or 600 people that are involved in our church. What if you and I truly believe God? And we leave everything he said in his word, and, we, and we, because we believe him, not because we're trying to earn his favor, but because we believe he have his favor by his grace through faith. What if we believe everything he said and we practice it, even if we disagree with it, even if we don't like it? 
What if? What would our community be like? What would be the results with the 69,000 people in our county and the 9.8 million people in our state and the 300 and some million in our country and the 7 point something billion in our world? What would happen? The Bible says my faith provides hope. My faith is the only way to please God. And number three, my faith proceeds from God. Faith itself is a, is a gift from God. Now, what we do with it isn't critical. We continue to develop it and we trust it, but that initial faith that comes to people who are dead in trespasses and sin, it proceeds from God. It provides hope, it pleases God, but it even comes from God. John chapter 6 Verse 28, you can keep your finger in Hebrews 11 for a second and turn to John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. They said the disciples are asking Jesus. They're, they're smitten by what they're seeing in Jesus' life. And they're growing in their faith. They're learning to believe him, but they haven't quite got there yet. And they're trying to figure out what they got to do to please him, to get his favor. And John chapter 6, verse 28 says, And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Now, that's important. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Here's Jesus' answer in verse 29. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. What is the work of God? Believe in him. Believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your sins and for eternity and that he's coming again. Believing his word and believing what he lays down for us as the path for our life. Believing him. That is the work of God. And that produce, produces other works in our life. But the overarching work of God is a work of faith. Other verses that say that. Hebrews 10.38 says this. Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous one shall live by what? Faith. My righteous one, that's you and me, if we trust him, we're going to not only believe, but we're going to live that faith. My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is the previous chapter. He's getting to the end of uh, chapter 10, and he says, look, my, the one that I, I'm pleased with is the one who believes in me and doesn't shrink back. In fact, if you want to go back to faith, we said how were people in the Old Testament saved. As early as Genesis 15, it talks about Abraham, and it says how Abraham got the favor of God in his life. Genesis 15, verse 6 says, He, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is an accounting term. Those of you, any of you accounting people, numbers people, put your hands up, a few people around here. Uh, Okay, we appreciate people like, people like me appreciate people like you. And that's why we have a finance team, people working on finances, because we need people who have that kind of ability. All right, this is an accounting term, and it says that Abraham believed God, and God put to his account, not because he did something, <clears throat> but because he believed God, and through that, God produced something in his life. He believed God, and God put it to his account. He put it in the and the positive side of the ledger as income. And he said, this is accounted to you as righteousness. And then another Old Testament book. We're going through the notes this morning. Matthew's back there checking my notes and stuff. And he said, well, I haven't heard from Habakkuk in a long time. Did you know there's a book, not tobacco, but Habakkuk? 
in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says this, way back in the Old Testament, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So Old Testament, New Testament, every person who's ever gained the favor of God has been by his grace through faith. So faith, listen, faith is the way to life and faith is the way to live. Would you write that down? Faith is the way to life and faith is the way to live. There's never been any other way. There's never been any other way to come to God than by faith, by God's grace through faith. So my faith provides hope. My faith pleases God. My faith proceeds from God. It's a gift from him. And number four, my faith produces confidence. Some of the most unconfident people I've ever met in some ways are scientists. People who only believe the empirical, only that which can be proved and repeated and all that. And they, they have trouble grasping what they cannot see, but faith produces confidence. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The person of faith lives his belief. His life is committed to what his mind and spirit are convinced is true. Here's a couple of things you can write down about that. Faith treats things hoped for as reality, and faith proves what is unseen is real. I'll give them to you again. Faith treats things hoped for as reality, and faith proves what is unseen is real. My faith produces confidence. There's no person more confident than a person who truly believes God in his every word and who trusts God not only with his origin, he trusts God with his purpose for being here, and he trusts God with his destiny. There's nothing else in life that can give you confidence for your origin, your purpose, and your destiny like faith in the God who created you. My faith produces confidence. Now, let me ask you a question for number five. Do you want joy? Do you truly want deep, lasting joy, which produces day-by-day happiness? Number five is my faith precedes my joy. You want to be happy? Faith comes first for true joy, true, deep-down joy, because the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Romans 1 says that everybody in all of creation has innately built into their psyche, into their mind, into their thought processes that there is a God. But the fool, he says out loud, even though he knows in his heart that there is no God, and there's no real true lasting joy without faith in the God of creation. My faith precedes, it comes before my joy. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. 1 Peter 1.8. Now, this, there's some people that walked on the earth with Jesus and saw him. They saw the things that he did, and they saw the miracles. They saw his death and his burial, and then they were totally decimated. But then he appeared to them after his death, and he walked with them on the earth for 50 days, hung out with them, and their faith was rejuvenated and restored. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, though you have not seen him. That's me and you. It's not the disciples. They did see him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
If you love Jesus, would you say amen? amen. If you love Jesus, would you say amen? amen? If your love for Jesus is waning a little bit, sometimes, well, let's don't say anything to that one. That's all of us, right? Sometimes we don't believe him like we should and we don't trust him like we should. But when we do, joy comes from our relationship with him. Do you want joy? Faith precedes joy. Number six, you want understanding. You understand the world and the universe and how things work, your origin, your purpose, your destiny. My faith promotes understanding. Would you write that down? Number six is my faith promotes understanding. And listen, this is important. No matter what side of the scientific field you're upon and how you think the earth came about, nobody was here when it happened. And so whatever, if you're scientific or if you're a Christian, Bible-believing person, whatever you believe is going to be by faith about the origin of everything because nobody was here. I I always get uh, fascinated when I'm watching uh, all kinds of, uh, shows about the origin of life and how these, these people say emphatically, like 250 million years ago, this is what happened. And that, that's fanciful imagination. It takes faith. It takes, you got to believe, you got to have faith in something. Now, my faith in what God says about my origin, my purpose, and my destiny, my faith promotes understanding. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Back to chapter 11 where we began, verse 3 of Hebrews. By faith we understand the universe was created. Another translation for that says framed. Anybody ever done house framing? Anybody ever done some house framing? I've done a little bit here and there between ministries and stuff. Okay, so the Bible says by the word of God, God framed up the universe. Nobody was here to see it. You can believe speculation, or you can believe what God says about it. And the Bible says Peter, who was doubting God, and Paul, who may have written Hebrews, we don't know for sure, they they say that we have to believe what God says about it. By faith, we understand that the universe was created or framed by the word of God, and that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The Bible says God spoke and Matter was created at the very oracle, the very word of God. Matter came from non-matter, from the only one that matters, and that's God. God created the universe, and my faith promotes understanding. And that's why David said in the Psalms, David believed in the creation of the universe by God. In Psalm 119.99, David says this, I have more understanding than my teacher's. A person who really believes your origin, your purpose, and your destiny is rooted in a creator God has more understanding. And life makes sense. Your worldview makes sense if you believe God. Here's something to think about. Faith for the believer. Faith is designed to serve the believer instead of sight. Now, that that doesn't mean we don't use our eyes. But there's an element that goes beyond reason which Francis Schaeffer, a great mind about 100 years ago, said faith is beyond reason. It goes beyond the physical and what we can see. It's metaphysical. It's that which we can't see with our eyes. So faith is designed to serve the believer instead of sight and to be the soul, be to the soul, all that senses are to the body. We got the five senses, right? 
And they're created by God for us for the physical universe. But there's a sixth sense, if you will, that proceeds from God, that comes from God, that's given to us by God, and that's just the faith sense. And some things are only perceived by faith. So my faith promotes understanding. And then finally, number seven, my faith praises God. Now, this is pretty fascinating to me. You might have a problem with what I said at the beginning, but don't walk out. Listen to me. Hear me out. My faith praises God so that God praises me. God praises people? Well, that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. Simple people like me and you. Some people did great exploits because God used them through their faith and he produced the works in their life and produced reward in their life. Some people were ordinary housewives. One person we're going to study was a prostitute. Some people built boats for God. Some people died at the mouths of lions for God. Some people went into eternity riding in a chariot of fire. Some people went out being pulled apart by wild beasts and eaten of animals. We're going to study all those kinds of people who had different faiths, but they all had one thing, faith. They believed God. My faith praises God so that God praises me. Now back to Hebrews 11, verse 2. For by it the people of old, that is, the people in the Old Testament, the people in history, now for us, the people in the New Testament as well, and the people today, the people sitting in this room who live by faith. But by faith, the people of old, by it, the people of old received their commendation. That is a commendation from God, a praise from God. God gave a witness to them, and they're recorded in the Bible people that we're going to look at over the next couple of months who simply believe God even when it didn't seem to make sense to anybody else. What if? Imagine with me for just a minute. What if we really would live like that? What would happen? Well, okay, let's bring this to a head here and we'll make some application and we're going to go, and we're going to go out in this world, and we'll tell people about the hope that we have in Jesus. What are the elements of faith? Okay, so there's one element that pleases God, and there's one way to please God, and it's simply believe in God. What are the elements of faith? What's this process? Let's walk it through. Elements of faith. Number one, God speaks to me through his word and his spirit. Now, if you never read the Bible, you're missing out on something very important, because God took 1,500 years 40 different writers, three different continents, different languages, and he, people of science, people that were farmers, people of all different backgrounds. And he put together this book. He guided their minds and told them what to write that was really important. And so he wrote it down, and God speaks through his word. Now, his spirit speaks to us individually too, but one of the primary ways that he does that is through his word. That's why I'm so lost on a day when I don't spend time in his word. I need him speaking to me. I need to hear what he's saying to me. So how does faith occur? God speaks to me through his word and through his spirit. And then number two, my inner self is stirred. God says some, something to me. Can we pause for a second? When's the last time that your soul was really stirred by God? Your faith was catapulted to a different level. That your obedience flowed out of that faith 
and that God stirred your heart. When's the last time? My inner self is stirred. And a lot of people come week after week to church and God's spirit stirs them. They hear the word of God and we, we always preach the Bible here. And God always works because the Bible says his word will never return void. It will always accomplish what purpose he sends out. And one of the purposes he sends out is to stir your heart. So God speaks. My, my heart is stirred. And now we come to step number three. I believe God. Or obviously the opposite of that is I don't believe God. I doubt him. I don't believe what he says. I don't believe what he says to my heart. I don't respond to him. I don't believe it. But if we're talking the, the path of faith, God speaks through his word in the spirit. My inner self is stirred and I believe God. What if? What if we really believe God for our children? If we really believe God for our finances and we really believe God for our schedule? The Browns are leaving for Africa. Maybe God might call many of you to go to a different place, but he definitely is calling every one of you to go across the street. What if I believe him? He speaks to me. My inner self is stirred. I believe God. And then the fruit of that, not the root, but the fruit is I do what he says. The people that we're going to study in the Bible, he praises them, every one of them in Hebrews 11, for their faith. By faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so did that. So it was the faith that produced the works that brought reward. Faith produces works which bring reward. Faith produces works which bring reward. Faith produces works which bring reward. Let's take one example we'll look at in a few weeks. Noah. What if he said he believed God but never built the boat? What would have happened? <laughs> he would have drowned with everybody else, and his family would have drowned. There's a lot of people that say, and the Bible talks about people who say they believe God, but they really don't, and nothing ever happens. No fruit comes out of that of works that they believe in God, and because they believe God, God produces a work in them. But if you say that you believe God, and Jesus said, if, if you say that you love me, but you don't do the things I command you are, what? liar. So God speaks to me through his word. My inner self is stirred. I believe God. And then I do what God says and God rewards me. This is it. God speaks to me. I'm stirred. I believe. I do what he says by faith and God rewards me. And the best way to walk by faith, the best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. That's why we have church. That's how, why we have life groups that you need to sign up for today. The best way to grow in your faith is to walk with the faithful, the people who are believing God, because we're all struggling. We all struggle with things like hurricanes and natural disasters and financial back sets and upsets, and we, we, we struggle with relationships. So we're struggling in our faith, and the best way to, to grow in our faith is to walk with the faithful. Listen, here's the truth. Bottom line, God's greatest truths are discovered by simple faith. God's greatest truths and God's greatest victories are discovered by simply believing God. We started with a missionary. We talked about the Browns going to Africa. We talked about George Mueller going from England to Canada, sailing west. I want to talk to you about a guy who was sailing east. How many of you have heard of Hudson Taylor? Raise your hand. Hudson Taylor. He was um, 
a missionary. He was a British missionary also in the 1800s. And do you know where he went? Who knows where Hudson Taylor went? China. China. He went to China as a missionary to reach people for Christ. Well, in those days, the only way of travel was sailing. And to sail, you need what? A boat. A boat. <laughs> but if you have a boat and you have sails, what do you need to move? Wind. We've had a lot of that this week, right? Especially the eastern side of our state in South Carolina. So they were on this ship heading for China, but the wind died. There were no outboard backup motors. The Coast Guard couldn't come and help them. So what was going to happen? The, the tragedy of that was this. As the wind died, the ship was just drifting towards an island where there were cannibals. And the people asked the captain, what's for dinner? And he said, we are. They were sailing to cannibals. And so the captain knew that Hudson Taylor, this man of faith, this missionary, was on board. And he, he begged him, would you pray that God would give us some wind? And Hudson Taylor very wisely said, I will pray that God will give us some wind if you will raise the sails. And the captain was like, my men, they're going to think I'm a little touched to be raising the sails when we got no wind. And so Hudson Taylor said, okay, then I ain't praying. <laughs> I'm not going to pray for God to give you wind if you're not going to raise the sails. So the captain, hesitant, hesitatingly, he raised the sails and Hudson Taylor went down to pray. Well, in a few minutes, the captain came and knocked on Hudson Taylor's door. He was on his knees in prayer. He said, Mr. Taylor. And he opened the door and let him in. He says, are you still praying for wind? And he said, yes, I am. And Hudson Taylor said, I mean, the, the captain said, well, you can stop. We got more wind than we need now. What's taking the wind out of your sails? Listen, like George Mueller, Mueller, we need to believe that God's going to get us to where we're going and we're going to trust him. And like Hudson Taylor, we're going to believe that if we're going to get anywhere, we're going to believe God. We're going to raise our sails. I want to say, God, take me where you want me to go. I'll sail anywhere you want me to go. And so one of these ships was going west and one was going east. It reminded me of a poem I heard years ago. It said this, one ship sails east and the other sails west while the self-same breezes blow. It's the same breeze sending the ships west and east. Tis the set of the sails and not the gale that determines where you go. One ship sails east, the other sails west, while the self-same breezes blow. It's the set of the sails and not the gale that determines where you go. Where's your sails trimmed? Are you living by faith? Are you trusting God to do great things? What if we truly, truly trusted God? As a next step this week, would you write this down? We've got to get this order right. I will live my faith through works. God, because I believe God, God does things through me. He produces works in my life that bring reward. I will live my faith through works that bring reward. We need to believe God. We need to believe God even when it seems impossible. In my life, I've seen many, many things happen from people coming to Christ and people coming around to Christ, from 
automobiles as a missionary or a, a pastor in a small church when I had no money and God's provided cars and he's provided. But the greatest thing he's given me is the joy of believing a God who's bigger than any storm. Do you trust him? If we could go from this place, every one of us today, what if we all went from this place today saying, God, no matter what you say in my heart and through your word, even though I don't like it, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's difficult to believe, God, because you said it, I believe it. Can we go from here living by faith, doing what he says because we believe in him and gaining his favor and his reward because we trust what he says. What are you battling with this morning? Everybody here is battling something. Don't ever think that somebody that stands on this stage is not battling. When I go away on vacation, more the devil works on my mind, thinking, what's happening back there? Is there a coup to get rid of me? <laughs> what's happening back there? And the devil brings all kinds of fears into my mind. I'm a, I'm a man, just like about half of you. I'm a human being like all of you. And like all of you, I'm weak in myself. But God is strong. We can believe God. We can trust him no matter how the wind blows. And no matter what's surrounding us, God is bigger. God is greater. Would you trust him this morning with your problem? The greatest problem you have is your sin, like mine. And the only Savior is Jesus Christ who died for it and was buried for it and rose again that you could have eternal life. You need to call out to him. If you need to do that today, we'd rather talk to you after the service about your need for Christ. Would you pray with me? God... As we approach this new series, Lord, what if, what if we really believed everything that you said? What if we trusted you even though we don't understand it? Lord, what could you do through our church? What could you do in my life, Lord? What could you produce in us if we will just believe what you say and allow you to do through us and in us the things that you want to do? God, I pray that you would help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we reflect on walking by faith and trusting God and doing what he asks us to do as we sing together?